Making News is a podcast about journalism and news literacy in Wisconsin and beyond. This is Making News. I'm Jane Hampton. I spoke to members of like the Proud Boys organization, civilly, you know, no arguing, just, okay, why do you feel this? You know, just to inquire. Tony Atkins is a reporter for WTMJ in Milwaukee, his hometown. He also worked as a television reporter in Memphis and as a digital reporter in Pittsburgh and Austin, Texas. He's a graduate of UW-Milwaukee's journalism program. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for inviting me on. I'm really honored. You've been back in Milwaukee for about a year and a half, and what a time it has been. What are some of the kinds of stories that you have been tossed into since you've been working back home? I mean, it's been a a little bit of everything uh, from, you know, crime to, you know, politics. Obviously, the pandemic has been the big thing, social justice uh, issues, the protesting. We had a new chief, you know, that whole fiasco. It's been an eventful year. I know Milwaukee, actually, before I moved to Milwaukee, obviously, it's my hometown. One of my buddies who works in Phoenix, he pointed this out. He was like, I know you grew up in Milwaukee, but as a reporter in Milwaukee, understand that market punches above its weight. Meaning, yeah, it might be market 34 and TV 33, but it operates as if it's like a top 20, top 10 market because it's always something going on. So, yeah, I mean, I got into it. I know the city, which made things a lot easier, but it's, it's been a crazy year. TV news is always kind of crazy, but in a year like this, when you really don't know what's going to unfold in the next 24 hours, what have your days on the job been like? Uh, the schedule, it's, it's been pretty interesting. So, you know, with uh, the pandemic, obviously a lot of budgets have shrank, right? So our schedules have actually gotten better. In my opinion, we actually work four day weeks. So it's 10 hour days to reduce like overtime working, you know, eight hours, five days, 10 hours, four days. So like the day itself has been, you know, in terms of hours, it's been pretty good. Um, As far as like the work we do, I mean, you just never know what you're going to get. Luckily this year, I haven't had to pivot from too many stories. Like, you know, how in TV, you would start on one story, something happens and you're off to the next story. So it's been pretty tame. The day has been pretty normal. It begins on a Zoom call, as you could imagine, and then you're out the door. It's, it's, it's been pretty, pretty steady, but the news itself has been the crazy part of it. Yeah. Can you describe some of the stories that even in such a memorable year, you're going to think about when you look back? I mean, I think the most memorable day I've had was that night in Kenosha, during the Rittenhouse shooting, I was right up the street. And that really, I mean, you heard the shots. um, And little did I know it would become like this big thing. But through that, like, all those trips down to Kenosha, I just remember, you know, making contact with the family and and talking to them that that probably would be the most uh, memorable moment. But I actually 
I had a conversation with a, a mentee of mine uh, just yesterday, and he asked me what was like the most humbling experience in my career. And it actually was related to a story I did not too long ago here in Milwaukee. There was a woman, unfortunately, she was killed by her brother who dealt with mental illness. And her brother went across the street to the nearby police precinct, turned himself in. And again, it was, you know, it was a pandemic and everything. So you have to like uh, factor in safety when you're covering these stories and people are outside crying. You got to stay back, but you got to respect the family. It's a lot to it. So anyway, um, I remember covering the story and the family, they're all huddled up. They're crying out front and you have to get the details on the story, right? So I walk up to the family and I tell them, you know, I don't want to intrude on your space. I don't want to invade this moment. I'm not trying to exploit your moment. But, you know, I want, you know, if you guys are willing to tell me about your sister or loved one, I would be appreciative. And they said, yeah, we really don't want to. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to have a camera in your face. I'll go across the street to respect your space and, and time. And I guess they really appreciated that, right? And so they were like, you know what, come here. Here's her name. This is what happened. This is what we know. Only reason I'm telling you this is because we really respect how you approach this. And I stayed back. I did my live shot. Just a few weeks later, it was the day that it was the day after they called the presidential race. And there was a rally in Midtown um, for like Joe Biden. Democrats had a rally or whatever. So I'm covering that. And then there was like this kid, maybe like 17, he was in a car with his buddies. He pulls up to me in his car and he's like, you Tony Atkins? And I'm like, yeah. And you know, I'm never afraid, but you know, when you're on TV, people just kind of come up to you. And he was like, yo, I, I really appreciate the level of respect you gave my family a couple of weeks ago. Like, I really, and I'm just like, it wasn't the biggest story of the year, but it really like humbled me to a point where when you're covering all these COVID deaths, when you're covering all this protesting, at the end of the day, these are families, these are people. And when you really make humanity the focus of your story, people respect that. And whether you know them or not, they come back to you. So I think that was probably one of my, the most memorable moment of this year. It wasn't the biggest story, but it really reminded me that like we're telling stories of people. Well, let me ask you more about that. Having worked in TV news myself, um, I have become pretty critical of it. Um, there are moments of humanity, as you say, and that video is great um, at capturing those. But there's also the constant drama, the yellow police tape, and the emphasis on crime, sometimes without context. Do you share those concerns or do you hear that kind of criticism sometimes? I've heard of it. I've seen it. I've worked in markets where I've experienced that shooting after shooting after shooting. And it's low hanging fruit, right? You would think that it's easy to get to um, the crime scene and make that a story. That's the easy thing to do. But what about the trends? How does this impact people? You know, one thing I, I really appreciate about working at TMJ4 over the past year and a half is really we took the time out to really zoom out and make stories about people. That's a really big, and I'm not just pitching company stuff. It's, it really is something that we, we sat down, we have coverage guidelines and how we approach these stories. 
we don't run I, I, under unique circumstances. Will we ever run a mugshot? You know, we'll cover a story, but we don't need the mugshot to tell the story. So I think the industry itself, because scripts has done this across a number of its markets. So I feel like the industry understands that it doesn't want to be a caricature of what it's perceived to be like. I think they're really trying to reassess how they cover communities, uh, especially like communities of color. And I think that they're trying to get away from it because they acknowledge the, you know, the perception there. So growing up in Milwaukee and now as someone inside a newsroom looking out, does television news reflect the neighborhoods that you know so well? Does it portray them fairly? Yeah, no, I think so. Uh, we have been covering a lot of um, economic disparities in different communities and racial disparities. I feel like uh, TMJ is, is, has a line, it's, it's continuing to align itself with the total um, like Milwaukee, greater Milwaukee community. I feel like uh, we have done a really good job of making sure we represent all communities. My favorite thing about me personally is being able to go out to Brookfield and, and cover a story in a predominantly white community and make an impact and share stories of people and then go into the city and do the same thing. I think all of our reporters are uniquely talented in that regard, just the ability to connect. Um, and I think that that's represented in our coverage. I think growing up, there was that perception that there wasn't enough representation in the city. You know, I remember we were covering 4th of July, how are people covering the 4th of July? And I'm like, all right, well, we're not going on Brady Street. We're not going on the east side. We'll go in the city. We'll go on the north. Because I know growing up, we used to barbecue on the 4th. So I know if I just go out to like, say, 27th and Center or something, and I just smell barbecue, boom, that's a, that's a 4th of July story, or at least an element in it. So I feel like we've been doing a lot of that, just thinking outside of the easy route to tell stories. So it's been good. It really has. I remember when you were in the journalism program at UWM and a fellow student interviewed you, you had to interview each other for an assignment, and you told him that you were working so hard in school, commuting every day, working for the student paper, making an effort to get to know people, because as a Black guy from Milwaukee, you had to fight negative perceptions. It's a a good feeling to know that I'm busy like 23 hours a day and I still maintain pretty decent grades. You know, especially coming from public school, that that's a competition in itself to, you know, I guess being a young black dude from the inner city is like, it's competitive in like, hey, you know, society might not think you can do it. It's one and I remember how frustrated that interview made me feel when I heard it. Do you still feel sometimes like you have to prove something? I, I don't. I, I feel like it's it's to me. I think in the beginning, it's like a, rolling a snowball down a hill, right? So, you know, it starts small and you roll it, gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then once you hit that, that bluff, it just goes, right? So I feel like for me, like my career, it's starting, it's just rolling. My, it's rolling. So I don't feel like me personally, I have to work as hard. I really enjoy being in a position to amplify voices, whether it's people from, like I said, Brookfield or people from where I grew up in the city. I grew up in Parkland, which is like a project. And I just love like being able to 
help people amplify their voice? Because it's so many times that it's so many stories out there that we haven't even touched on yet. So I felt like, yeah, in the beginning when I was in college, I quickly realized that like the most important thing I could get out of college was the network. I mean, we're, we're talking today, you know, through our connection from those years. And yeah, I worked really hard to maximize that time I had in college because I just didn't have access to the people, those resources when I was in college. So now I have them and I feel like my job now is to pass it on. Like you see this works, you see there's talent in the city. You see that there are people from the city that can go on network and go on your TV sets and represent the community. And there are like dozens of me out there, you know? So I just want, you know, to be a good representation of where I come from so we can continue to do this even after I'm gone. You are in a position to mentor others and inspire young people to work in news. And loyalty to TV news is still higher than other news sources. But it's also a time when trust in journalism is low and disdain and even anger are high. And so what has that been like? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. Uh, a lot of people are upset about the coverage, no matter if it's right or left, black, white, whatever. Um, some people always are, are going to be upset. Um, and I think that what I try to do, especially in the field, is explain. I, um, I, I, remember, <laughs> I remember a story just to kind of like get to that point where um, I forget where the house was. It was like 40th and Lloyd or something. There was a house that was suspected of like sex trafficking. It was a big story. It was set on fire. And police, tons of people were out there. The next day, there was a cleanup, like a positive story, you know, after the rubble. And I remember going out there, I was coming off of my weekend and like I was doing a stand up. And there was this girl out there, like a protester. And she was like, I don't like the way y'all did this. Y'all wasn't hearing, y'all said this. And I personally wasn't there. So I was on top of this hill doing a stand up. And she's like yelling. I'm like, okay, I hear her. Let me just finish this. And I'm like, what? And she's like yelling at me. So I shoot my stand up. I'm like, all right, give me one second. So I shot the stand up. I come down the hill. Then I hear another protest. Oh man, you didn't mess with Tony. And I want them to understand where we come from. So I try to be as transparent about the process. Um, so I talked to this young lady and she calmed down and really got an understanding of like coverage and, you know, I think she was more open to me personally that I took the time to explain to her. Like, I wasn't here yesterday, one. And two, this is normally how things go in TV. So I think the thing is when you explain to people, because it's a lot of people that really, some people don't want to understand, but then there are a lot of people who truly don't. And you have to take the time out to explain to people how things work, especially like in TV. But then there are, you know, I've been at, uh, you know, on the other side, I've been at the open the country rallies. I've been at uh, the Stop the Steal rally um, in Wauwatosa. I spoke to the member, members of like the Proud Boys organization, civilly, you know, no arguing, just, okay, why do you feel this? How did Proud Boys, you know, just to inquire. I think that the secret is, it's not about the institutions we work for. It's just about the character of the people that work for them and how they connect with other people. 
Um, me personally, I haven't had too much backlash, um, but I think when I do, I try to take the time to really thoroughly explain to them where I come from and, and how I, we approach things. These are good examples of how one-on-one -on -one communication helps make connections and explain what reporters do, but how can you apply that on a grander scale? Because many young people aren't watching TV news. The audience is, is getting older and it's pretty white. Um, so how do you connect with people who get most of their information by scrolling through social media on their phones? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's just you, you, it's like you can control what you can control. Like in my bubble, I try to make sure the people around me that interact with me understand where I come from. They understand the stories that I tell. And I think if we all take that approach as companies, you know, that might be a high level question to ask um, someone, but um, I just think we only can control what we can control in our environment. I have my Twitter followers. I have my Facebook followers. I have people who know me. I have people I meet on the street in my community, whether it's Memphis, Pittsburgh, or Austin, or wherever I've worked before. It's just, you only can really control that space and hope that that helps the influence of the perception. Yeah, tell me more about the social media connection. How can you connect with people on Twitter or Instagram who are not watching the news at six o'clock? Basically, I, I have people who say, I only watch your stories on Instagram. And I'm like, you know, that's cool. Or I only watch, you know, when you tweet, you know, I'll tweet like a video of my story. But, you know, obviously to help digital, I'll post the link. Um, but yeah, like that could be the only time someone knows, you know, of a story I do. And I, I'm aware of that. And I feel like, you know, they, they tend to engage um, I feel like I try to balance social media with not opinion, but like a little commentary with like, here are the facts. And I think on social, my credibility really comes from, yeah, I could crack a joke here and there. I'll post a Bernie meme or something. But then like when a big story breaks, you know, I'm going to cover it. So there's a reason to stick around. You know, I'm covering the big, you know, presidential visit, the Jacob Blake situation. You know, I'm covering these big stories. So I think that's just how I connect with uh, younger audiences. They understand like the jokes and whatever, and I'm, I'm hip to those things. But then at the same time, they know when big stories break, I'll be there. What is next for you, Tony? Do you have even time to think about long-term goals? I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. I, <laughs> I, I really, I, I'm really enjoying my time here in Milwaukee. And I think, you know, it's been really cool seeing like the impact that some of the stories I've done have, have made. I, I remember doing a story about um, Barada Properties. It's like a controversial ownership group. Uh, they own tons of property. Um, and they were about to evict, they just bought this property, right? And they were about to evict um, all its residents and do some remodeling. And some of the residents had signed leases like a month before the sale of the property. So you have to honor that lease, but they were all getting kicked out. They emailed me like, hey, I don't know what's next. I, don't, I have to move, this birthday's coming up, I'm poor, whatever. And, you know, I just challenged it. And I'm like, this, this is illegal. I took it to legal aid, did the story, followed up on it, and then no one got evicted. 
So like, I think the investigative um, stories, I really like just stories that make impact. You know, I'm here in Milwaukee. Uh, what's next? I have no idea. You know, I'll be, I'll be honest. I, I wasn't even expecting like the call to come back to Milwaukee. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just, you just got to go with the flow. I, I'm really happy here, you know, and uh, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. So we'll just have to see, I guess. Well, Tony Atkins, thank you so much for talking with me. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. Making News is supported by the Digital Humanities Lab at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee.